0: As of December 2018, there are 113 million auto loans in America. Roughly 51% of Americans listen to podcasts. 22% of that listening occurs in the car, which means that, assuming you're American, of course, there's a 1 in 27 chance you are currently listening to this podcast while in a vehicle with a lien on it. I know that's a lot of numbers right off the bat, but here's one more. For every 2.4 cars sold in America, one of them, will default on its loan, which means that 1 in 65 of you will not be listening to the same podcast in the same car this time next year. My name's Ari Kagan, and this episode of Things You Don't Need to Know is all about repossession. A repossession occurs when the person who took out the loan, the debtor, falls behind on their payments, so much so that it's a breach of contract. For example, in most cases, car loans have a two-month clause. This means that if you fall two months behind on your payments, the asset, in this case your car, can be taken back by the bank. The car serves as collateral for the loan. If you default on the loan, the bank gets the car back, regardless of how much has already been paid. Banks usually rely on private repossession businesses to recover their asset. This is because, unlike law enforcement, which has to get a warrant, goes through the front door, sometimes shoots an innocent bystander, and of course have blue and red lights that let the whole neighborhood know something's going on, repo agents, so long as they don't breach the peace or enter someone's locked private property, can do pretty much whatever it takes. Not to mention it's a whole lot more discreet. And that's really important because an element of surprise could be the difference between recovering an asset or not. They're more like robbers than law enforcement, and considering they have a contract with the bank who holds the loan, it's technically theirs to steal. But it's so much more than just a common petty theft. They have to find the asset, they have to wait until the perfect moment, and they have to get in and out without damaging anything. That's literally a heist, except instead of Brad Pitt and George Clooney, it's some dude named Jeff and his military buddy going around taking people's cars, which, still cool. After all, everybody loves a good heist. I first fell in love with this idea when the De Caesar brothers, you know, my buddies Max and Dan, they've featured in a few other episodes. I'm Max De Caesar, hereby sell my soul to Ari Kagan in exchange for being able to drive Ari Z3 for as long as Ari says. Showed me Airplane Repo on Discovery. These are the Super Repo Men.
1: I swipe airplanes for a living.
0: On the surface, Airplane Repo is one of those typical reality shows. A bunch of dudes do some obscure job that you didn't know about, but suddenly it's the only thing on earth that matters. Think deadliest catch, but way more interesting than crab fishermen who curse every other word. Like that show is one endless sensor noise. I remember when I was like four or five, I set up a desk next to a window that looked over the yard. I had one of those like bright red toy phones and a pad of paper. And I just sat there for two hours tallying up how many imaginary crabs my crew had caught and yelling into the phone. I would bleep the words too, like how many boop, crabs, boop, ships, boop, meat crabs, boop, boop, ships sprung up, boop, leak, and it was really dumb. The point is, Airplane Repo is much better. Yes, it's almost entirely reenacted, and sure, it has a few nonsense scenes, like when they go to the local diner and play drums for no real reason, but what reality show doesn't have that? These guys repossess airplanes and boats longer than this tangent. My friends and I loved the show so much that we made our own version on my YouTube channel. At the time, this low-value loan service called Affirm was just starting to gain popularity. They let you finance things like Jordans, so it was a perfect crossover. These are the sneaker repo men. I swap shoes for a living. Max Caesar. and Dan DeCesare. They take the shoes back from those who didn't pay their Affirm payment plans. Sneaker repo. These shoes have been repossessed. Yeah. Uh, As you could probably tell, it was one of our favorite shows, uh, which is why I'm very pleased to announce that today's guest is a star on Airplane Repo.
1: My name is Ken Cage. I am an airplane repossession agent, licensed in the state of Florida, and uh, one of the characters on the television show Airplane Repo on Discovery.
0: That's right, Ken's one of the big boys. He repossesses expensive stuff. But before we talk about airplanes, let's take it back a little. Loans first appeared 4,000 years ago in Mesopotamia, where they were used by farmers to get seeds. It was also commonly used on livestock, where the farmer would take a cow and pay back the loan in the form of a newborn calf. Ancient Greece saw pawnbrokers, just like Rick Harrison, pioneer the first use of collateral, But in the Middle Ages, loans were banned by Christianity, leading to the persecution of Jews who refused to outlaw themselves. This lasted until the 18th century. In the 1920s, with the popularization of the automobile, lending really took off. Just about anyone could buy something on credit. A car, a house, a flat screen TV. With all these loans going out, there were bound to be people who didn't pay their debt. So the banking industry needed some reinforcements. And thus, the Repo Man was born.
1: What got you into it? My business partner, Bob Weeks, and I have been friends since the 70s. Uh, We just kind of both hit a point in our lives where we we just wanted to uh, own our own business. Uh, So we, we looked around a lot, you know, golf ranges and liquor stores, all kinds of different stuff. And obviously this one stood out. Um, so after doing our due diligence, we bought the business in, in November of 2005, we're coming up on our 15-year anniversary, and ever since then, that's what we've done. An interesting thing
0: about repo is that it doesn't really require any experience. In New York State, all you really need is a commercial driver's license, and while some other states do require actual repossession licenses, check with your local authorities, it's a largely unregulated business. Did you have any experience before that made you think this would be a great uh, business for us?
1: I used to work for Chrysler Financial and I did collections on what they called high-risk accounts, which are 45 days past due and further. So we were trying to do the collections. I was assigning the repossessions and. You know, following up the repo agents to make sure that we're getting the cars and that kind of stuff. So I had the experience there on the repo side, but it was in the office. Bob is a salesperson. He's done sales and marketing his whole life. So um, when we do repossess the boats and the airplanes, in most cases, we also sell them. So we thought, okay, I've got the experience on investigations and repossessions in the office. And Bob has the sales side. So we thought that we had the perfect background between the two of us to do this job. And boy, were we wrong.
0: Anyone can play golf. Not everyone can be a, where was I going with this? It's not as easy as it looks. Being a repossession agent requires investigative skills. You gotta stay calm under pressure. You have to have thick skin. People are bound to hurl insults at you when you're taking away their car. It requires problem solving, patience, perseverance, all things that sound easy, but when you're in that game time situation, it's a little harder. What does your average job consist of start to finish?
1: so there's there's multiple parts to it Uh, first part is we get the order so we do an investigation try and find out everything we can about the debtor about the asset um, debtors associates debtors work debtors family that kind of stuff we want to have an idea of what we're dealing with when we get out there the next step is looking into the asset you know as far as year make model approximate value where it might be all those kind of things once we are comfortable with who we're dealing with and where the the asset is, then we go to the field. And that's the second step. So once we get out there, we're looking for the boat, we're looking for the airplane, we may or may not find it. If we don't find it, then it's a matter of, you know, like you see on TV with the PIs. You're talking to people, you're asking questions, you're doing internet searches, the whole thing, while you're in the field. Uh, trying to track down the asset. You know, once we have the asset, we're always prepared with either the tow, the captain, the pilot.
0: What was it like repossessing something for the very first time? What was your first mission
1: like? So the first repossession we did was in outside of Tampa. Uh, it was a 58-foot Hatteras.
0: A 58-foot Hatteras is a three-level motor yacht that goes for roughly $250,000.
1: I had spotted the boat, went there, went back with the team, and we called we usually tow the boats out first to make sure they're not booby trapped in some way
0: what what would be an example of of a booby trap
1: they chained on one boat and they roped on a different boat the outdrives underneath the water to the dock so hoping that we would crank the engines and either have the chains rip the outdrives off or have us pull forward and row in the dock something to that effect so they were trying to row in the boat and you know, the docks, the marinas, stuff like that. And then, of course, if we're on the boat doing it, it all comes back to IRG, not to the debtor.
0: Someone might try to booby trap an asset if they knew the repo man was coming. Since Ken's company, IRG, the International Recovery Group, would be held responsible for the damages, it's kind of a send-off, fuck you to the repo man.
1: Yeah, there was stuff like that. There were some other things on the on the aircraft. You know, the, the brake lines were tampered with. One time they put like sticks and things like that in the engine of an old airplane. So we cranked it up and started a a small fire. So they did stuff like that. Um, But because of that on boats, that's why we've always used tow companies. And then we have time to check it. Well, in this one case, the former owner um, was training us and he called one of his buddies. Well, they basically come in a 16 foot rowboat with a little two stroke engine on the back. And the captain that gets on the boat is as drunk as drunk can be so talk about first first repo issues Uh, couldn't get the boat cranked couldn't get electricity on the boat so the drunk captain tells us to go downstairs jam a screwdriver in the spark boat to try and get a spark as we're downstairs trying to figure out where we're going with no electricity mind you we hear this horrific screech going down the side of the boat turned out that the the quote-unquote towboat had gotten us too close to the pilings, and then you know, it, it just scratched. It didn't end up scratching it, but it made this sound. But the, it, it's just stuff like that right out of the game. We're like, what the heck did we get ourselves involved with?
0: It's that unpredictability which is so prevalent in jobs like this. You might think you have it all figured out, but anything could happen.
1: Obviously, as we went along, we learned a lot. We learned fast, and we got pretty good at it.
0: For some repo men, the last phase of the job is actually selling that asset.
1: The asset does nothing for the bank. The bank only deals, their capital is cash. So then we, as licensed brokers, we sell the boats and the airplanes for the the bank and get them the cash for the sale. As of
0: time of recording, they're selling a 1987 Gulfstream G4. This beautiful twin-engined aircraft is perfect for personal use. Its Rolls-Royce RB183 Tay turbofans will take you 4,350 miles on a single tank of fuel, and it's sure to impress your golf buddies. Whether it's an afternoon trip to Martha's Vineyard or a tax-dodging flight to Bermuda, this aircraft is the ultimate purchase for the sophisticated gentleman. Things you don't need to know will be right back after this real commercial break. There's a lot happening these days. Although the repo business might seem like an endless action adventure jam-packed with yacht heists and car chases, it's not always so eventful. There's got to be like a ton of paperwork
1: involved, right? No, believe it or not, there isn't. It's written into all the contracts that the banks and the lenders have the right to self-help.
0: Self-help is roughly defined as it's my thing, I can take it back. Which means less time behind a desk and more time in the field.
1: We've been shot at a few times. We've been chased around an airfield. Um guy swinging a shovel at us, got hit by a car, guy trying to block us from the airplane, you know, hit us with his car, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of different screwy things like that go on.
0: Sometimes they'll even come up against other repo teams.
1: I will say each time we were able to get the, uh, the asset before they could, which is, being from Philadelphia, you know how we are up here, so that meant a lot to us. But they don't often uh, assign it to multiple repo companies because we end up tripping each other up. You know, if, if I talk to you and say, hey, uh, looking for Joe Smith, uh, you know, I heard he works here. And then a day later, somebody comes up and asks for Joe Smith again. That's going to pique the interest of, of the person you're talking to. And that's going to create a lot of suspicion. So we tip people off without meaning to. And that's why they don't assign it to two. But it's happened a couple times.
0: Have you ever had one of these where you did get the asset and then it
1: got sent back to the debtor? So uh, the debtor has the legal right to make the loan whole after we repossess it. Uh, it's called a cure period, so they have the right to do that.
0: The cure period is a length of time predetermined in the contract.
1: So I would say in the course of the last 15 years, we probably had 25 to 30 percent of the cases where the debtors you know, get the money together, they pay what they owe and they get the asset back. It doesn't mean we don't get it, go get it again, though, when they fall behind again. I've, I've repossessed the same boat three times. They would pay it up and then they immediately fall two months behind and we go get it again.
0: Monetarily, what's the largest repo you've ever done?
1: So I've done like uh, just monster cargo ships that are worth, you know, 40, 50, 60 million. Um, I've done 737s, which are worth, you know, well into the eight figures. I did a, uh, a small airline of 727s. That total case was probably 50 million bucks. Um, so we, we've done some massive cases. There was one case up in Alaska, we did nine. It was charter flight thing up there. We did nine airplanes worth. Each one was worth like three or four million bucks. So that's about $30 million case. You know, we've had a lot of cases that are worth 20 million and above.
0: If you're planning on taking things that are that expensive, you're gonna have to get past a lot of defenses, whether it's security, locked gates, or in the case of a moving vehicle, it might just move and you won't be able to find it.
1: There is a lot of time spent in the field doing surveillance and doing that legwork. On the TV show, and that's what most people know us from, it's a 14-minute case, right? You see us, oh, we got, the, uh, we got the order, watch us go through it, 14 minutes of film time for us later, we're flying the airplane. Well, that's not how it works. The longest it took me to find a boat, it was assigned to me in December and I picked it up in March. Um, When I would do a lot of, uh, like, television reporters and news reporters would come with us, i tell them, get something to eat and go to the bathroom. Because I don't guarantee either one of those things for the next 12 hours.
0: Bladder pain and starvation aside, Repo Agent sounds like a great job. You work for yourself. You're out there in the field. It's almost like a secret agent, but without all the killing and stuff.
1: We've had a great time doing it, um, and we were happy that we were able to show some of it through the show. It's a fun job. It can be a real pain in the neck sometimes when you're just sitting in your car for six hours straight. But yeah, it's 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 fun. It's definitely a good time.
0: If you want to learn more about the repo business and some of Ken's stories, check out his book, Billion Dollar Repo Man.
1: Uh, I tell some of the stories in there at greater length. So if you want to pick it up, uh, you can find it almost anywhere. It's just an autobiography that I wrote. And it's I've been told it's a fun book.
0: And who knows? If the entertainment business doesn't work out for me, I might just consider a career in repossession. But until then, thanks for listening. Things You Don't Need to Know is a Hyper Object and 3 Uncanny 4 production. The show is hosted and written by me and produced by Harry Nelson and also me, but mostly Harry. Additional help from Shane McKean and Nuna Sharafadine. Our executive producers are Adam McKay and Laura Mayer. The show is mixed by nice manners. If you like things you don't need to know, head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you don't leave a review, I'll repossess your 747. Ari, what are we going to do with all these 747s? Anyway, see you next week.